Hey there, it's Jake. Before we jump in, I wanted to let you know that this episode of The Online Hustle is a bit of a time capsule. It's from a podcast I used to run between 2012 and 2016. You're going to hear some references to that show, uh, to businesses and content that may have changed or may not even exist anymore. This is episode 20 of the Multimedia Marketing Show. Righto, in this episode, we're bringing on someone who has been spoken about in numerous episodes by both our guests and also myself. That is none other than Mr. James Schramko from Superfast Business. Now, James has in the past run $100 million companies in Mercedes dealerships in Sydney, Australia, but he's gone on to build a super successful online business being Superfast Business, where he provides a number of different services around traffic generation and uh, retention. And then on the other side of the coin, he also runs some training forums, including Fast Web Formula and Silver Circle, which is a business, I guess you could say a business mindset mastermind. James employs about 80 people in the Philippines, has a multi-million dollar annual income purely from online business and servicing the needs of his customers. Now, what we're bringing James on today is not to speak particularly about multimedia marketing strategies, more about customer engagement and retention strategies, which I believe is a very key point to serving your customers well. So we will go into depth in this episode about how you should be treating your customers, how you can rise above the pack by providing amazing support, both before a sale is transacted and then throughout the entire lifetime as a customer. So let's get stuck straight into that episode right now. James, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you going, Jake? Really well, actually. And I'm actually I'm very glad to get you on the show for a proper episode. We got you on for an impromptu episode in episode 4.5 to debate the different forms of the content marketing with Dan Andrews and Dan Norris. And that was fantastic. But it's uh, time to get you on and actually delve into some really good insights around obtaining customers and then, of course, keeping them. Yeah, you're the only guy I know who's got episodes with 0.5 in them. <laughs> Is that like it was only half as good or something? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. It was, it was certainly very much it was impromptu and it was, I guess, a little bit outside of the normal schedule. So I didn't want to make it five. So 0.5 is the way to go, I think. Well, I'm pleased to have the limelight all to myself without having to <laughs> fight this time. <laughs> Interestingly enough, you were probably one of the first people I booked in an episode with, but uh, as I said at the time, I wanted to get a few episodes under my belt so I could do this episode justice. And how's the show going for you? It is um, going fantastically well. Our listeners are really enjoying it. All the guests have been able to pull in different insights and uh, certainly... I know personally, I've been able to apply a lot of the strategies taught in my own businesses and I get the feedback from listeners out there that they are able to do the same. I think what you do so well is you take concepts uh, from different places, you apply them, roll up the sleeves and, and do it, and then you share your results. I think you're a natural at this. I love seeing how successful you've become in such a short time and I imagine this will be a super famous podcast in a year from now. Here's hoping, I guess all we can really do behind the mic is to provide value for our listeners and it's the, the listeners who will be able to decide where the show goes. So that's uh, that's fantastic. Now, what I'd love to speak to you about today, you're obviously a business growth expert and while the premise of the show is content marketing and using the different forms to bring in leads and customers, what I truly think is very important with this is focusing a little bit more on the mindset and then utilizing 
content marketing, but then also strategies that you can help to maximize the value of the content marketing in the first place to obtain and retain customers, which you do extremely well. Yeah, well, gee, that's a handful. (laughs) I'll see what we can come up with. (laughs) (laughs) So for those listeners out there who may not have come across your three podcasts already, uh, do you want to give them just a, a brief background of who you are and what you do? Sure. I think there's actually four podcasts so for everyone on the call, including Jake. Seriously, though, I've got this business called superfastbusiness.com. And the main specialty is in working with internet business related matters. So I have an internet business coaching forum called Fast Web Formula, where people can congregate with others. I've got a high-level business mastermind, which is really good for six-figure businesses who want to take it to seven. And that's a smaller group, but really focused on their business and a lot more access to me. And that's the uh, business coaching side of the business. And then there's services on the other side where we do WordPress website development and traffic SEO-related services to help promote those websites. That's pretty much a a three-pronged business now, but it used to be a lot broader than that. And as I continue on, I keep refining and and streamlining and focusing on the areas that are the real sweet spots for me. And the best thing about the way that's set up is that I have pretty much the same customer in each of those three corners and uh, that works really well. Yeah. As you say, keep refining it. But I guess there are a couple of common themes which run through your entire businesses. And I guess you're really fantastic at the strategy side of business, but also, as you say, you're able to promote products and services which your customers naturally progress through. Yeah, everything I've got is based around what people have asked me for. So it's really solutions-based. It's, James, could you have a look at this or help us with that? Or do you know, blah, blah, blah. And by only working with customer solutions that people actually want. It's been helpful for us to get up and running quickly. We're not I'm not classified as a startup in a weird and wonderful market that doesn't exist before. And I'm sure it's it's great for people to to do that and they can own their whole market if it didn't exist before. However, I'm just working with really established market. Business growth has probably been around for hundreds and hundreds of years, maybe thousands, I'm not sure. But websites have been around for at least what, two decades now, and traffic and SEO, people are always going to want more customers for their business. So they're just fundamental needs, and I've worked in that space. And the best thing is that I have this core customer philosophy. There's really just one customer of this business who could potentially experience each part of the business. And I took this idea from my old job, which was running Mercedes-Benz dealerships. And I realized that we just had one customer, but the managers used to fight over the customer as if it was their customer. And I'm like, hang on, your service customer bought their car from our sales team and they financed it from our finance department. And when they need to change the spark plugs, they buy the spark plugs from our parts department. We have the same customer. So I actually called it one customer. And I presented this thing to a, it was a business development thing for teaching people how to be general managers. And I presented this presentation called One Customer. And it was this idea that the customer is actually in the middle and we should work together to communicate effectively with that customer, to take a lifetime approach to that customer. And if we never abuse that customer, they will stay with the business forever. 
and they, we don't give them a reason to go somewhere else and we can all share that customer and that's developed into my concept of the chocolate wheel. It doesn't matter where someone comes into the business, but they can work their way right around the whole business units and that's still the same customer. So when I draw a map of my business, it's a big circle like a target. The customer is in the middle and then the pieces of the pie around that are the various business units from the business and then the outside of the circle is your customer attraction, your prospecting, things like podcasts and sales pages, lead pages, uh, blog content, Facebook posts, YouTube videos. Those things bring the customers in and they turn into a customer and they go straight into the center where they get royal treatment and uh, loving care. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I think just to give a little bit of extra context for our listeners for this particular conversation, how many customers do you have that you personally have contact with? In my uh, Office Autopilot account, I have about 23,000 records and a good chunk of those people have bought something at some point. And um, I have a high transaction value per customer and a pretty small list size compared to your classic internet marketers but each customer for me is a recurring customer and and they stick with me for a long time i've got some people i've had for six years so it just grows at about it grows at around about 60 to 70 people per day at the moment so it's not a huge influx but they stick yeah okay so why do they stick i've got a few golden rules for example if i ever send something to a customer by email they must be better off for opening the email so it's not a take it's a give It might be a give with a request or a call to action, but they have to be better off. So if I don't break that rule, it doesn't matter the frequency. I could send them something every day. I could send them something once a week, once a month. It doesn't matter because they're better off for opening it because I'm always stepping inside their shoes and thinking, how can I help them? And another secret to it is to be relevant and to be contextual. So those are the two big words, context and relevancy are what it's all about. And when you recognize how important that is about having the right conversation with the right person at the right time, that's when systems like Infusionsoft or Office Autopilot become a really powerful weapon in your online marketing business compared to the classical sort of one bucket for everything type systems like Aweber or whatever, where you tend to just be broadcasting or heaven forbid, blasting your list, which are words that I just banned from our team. So we now segment and do things such as lead scoring and attribute a value to each customer so that we can categorize them correctly and group them and now just communicate to that group. So someone who buys a website will get a website communication. Someone who's in a coaching community will get a coaching community news update and they're having the right conversation with me. Yeah, that's fantastic. And I guess you could almost say what you're doing is you're respecting your customers because you're giving them information that they want. I guess what these systems allow you to do is that they're allowing you to leverage the communications you would only be able to have on a one-on-one basis by segmenting them further than what the something like an Aweber or a MailChimp allows you to do. And that's a really fantastic way to really power up your content marketing. Oh, and there's some tweaks you can do to this that just boost it that nobody does that make you stand out. And I think that really has been the holy grail for me is to – if someone, I get emails like this, right? Hi, James, just wanted to find out, have you – taken me off your list because I didn't get an email the last few days and I only receive emails from my family, friends and you and no one else. And like for me, that's wow. I've made it to the inbox where people want to open the email and there's things you can do to cause that to happen. And I could go through a couple if you like. 
Please, yeah. So one of the most important ones that I've done is I send emails from my own email address and I put a note at the bottom of my email that I reply to emails. I personally reply to emails. And I've been doing this for a long time and it's quite uncommon in business. Most people send an email from a no reply at, which I liken to saying, I don't give a shit about you. Listen, I'm going to push this communication to you, but God, if you want to talk to us, forget it. We're not interested. We're just here to sell you something. And then if you want to speak to some of these companies, you have to jump through 10 hoops to go to their support desk, to, to go through a little problem solver, to find out, have you already answered in the knowledge base? So it's too hard. It's much easier for someone to hit email. And I figure, why wouldn't I want a prospect or a customer to be able to hit reply and ask me another question that helps me solve their problem that will lead to a sale? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I, I think a lot of people see systems and, and automation as the holy grail, failing to realize that the idea of systems and automation is to give you back time. And when you've got that time, I guess you've got the time to be speaking with your customers and, and answering emails. Well, there's a few things there. I, I learned for some from really wealthy, smart people, a real estate agent. I remember clearly when mobile phones were new, I was just a kid. We were driving along and his phone rang. And he's talking to a customer. And at the time, I was in debt collection. I was about 18. <laughs> I was a debt collector. And my experience was that people did not want to answer the phone. <laughs> they don't want to hear from people. Funny that when you're asking for payments. But I said, why are you so accessible? How come you don't have a secretary screening that stuff for all my customers? And he said, I want people to ring me because they want to buy something. They want to, they've, they've got a question. If I can solve it, they'll make a purchase and it could be worth $20,000 to me. And another thing that one of my mentors taught me was not to process. People hate being processed. You know, here's your ticket number or whatever. It's like when you go to McDonald's these days in Australia, and I'll have to specify that because uh, when I went to McDonald's in France, they actually had an ATM system. Like you push on the screen, you choose your meal on the screen, and then you go and pick up your order. It's completely hands-off, like no human involved. And But in Australia, you go and order from the, the thing. As soon as they've got your order and taken your money, they just turn their back on you and walk off. It's mm. like you are dumped dropped, forgotten about, and processed. And then you have to somehow figure out that you're supposed to shuffle down to the next counter and wait for your order to be assembled. But as soon as they've got your money, you're out of there. And that you know you don't feel very special about it. There's no personality involved in that. So people do not like to be processed. So if you're using automation, be mindful that if people feel processed, you're going to depersonalize it. Now, when you say, P.S., I reply to my emails personally, and they can hit reply and they ask you a question and you actually reply back with their name, how good is that compared to everyone else out there already? And that's aside from the fact that I've got other things like helping them select the frequency they'd like their emails. It's such a simple, obvious thing to do, but it's, hey, would you rather receive a weekly update instead? They can click on that and be moved automatically through automation to a weekly list, and now they can hear from me weekly. So instead of having to leave my list, they can just dial down the intensity. So it's a little safety net technique. And then the, the other things you can do to really show people that you care is you can use a real name, you can put your picture on the support desk, you can list your phone number and your address, and you can put a phone number for people that they can call you in their own country that is going to cost them the minimum possible. Yeah, so let's give, again, let's give listeners a bit of perspective again. So you're doing multiple millions, you've got 80 employees, you've got so many different customers you display your phone number in clear daylight on all of your websites. How many calls a day do you get from customers? 
I will probably average one or two calls a day. And I'm, I've got customers in every country. So sometimes it'll f- fly through to voicemail. But if I'm awake and it rings, I'll answer it. And I can tell you the closing rate on a sales inquiry is 100% because they're hovering on your site. They're looking at a package that might cost $1,000. And they're saying, listen, I just have a couple of questions. And you say, sure. And they ask the questions, you answer it, and they say, great, I'm ordering it now. So it really, it's a high paid thing to do. And it's also, when you're dealing online, trust is such a huge factor. And if they feel like they're not going to get ripped off, then they'll proceed. And I suspect for the few calls that I get, there's probably a lot of people who see the number and feel more confident about it just because it's there, because it's so easy for people to contact us. And we also have a leave a message tab where they can click a support ticket. They don't have to put in anything other than like their email address. It's not like 27 fields. We don't run them through a knowledge base. Like they can ask us anything. We get a, we get a lot of tickets every day. We get dozens of tickets every day. And I have full-time support team who answer tickets every day. And they quite often will lead to sales. That's really interesting. So we're combining these fantastic techniques by segmenting your client base so that they're getting relevant information with being super open about contacting you. And as you say, I'm sure many people will visit the site, see the number there, and out of respect for the fact that you're respecting them, they're not going to call you unless they really need to. And if they do really need to, then you've got a high chance of making a sale where it may not have been possible. And then also on the flip side of fixing up a potential issue or problem. Yeah. And the stats that I get in my business are just when other people see them, they just can't comprehend it. For example, my returning customer percentage is 91.5%. That means that I'm growing my business probably about 10% continually, but people just keep ordering and ordering and the average value is very high. It's yeah, really high, actually. Yeah. I guess you play a, a pretty big role or a central role in most of your marketing strategies. Do you see that as important for our listeners to do something similar? Yeah, I think there's two main roles you want to do in your business, and that is to be the marketing strategy chief and to control the costs, control the checkbook. Don't give away the checkbook. And don't hand over your marketing mission because no one's going to drive your business with the same passion as you. No one knows what you like or don't like or your philosophies as well as you do. So even if you have people help you implement it, as both of us do, we have teams surrounding us that can translate our vision. Uh, Both of us are creating the original content because it's highly personal and no one else in the world can be James Shramko. Uh, I mean, that technically there are three of us. Uh, from from Facebook, I can tell, but but you know what I'm saying in in my capacity as the um, the driver of my business. If I can step up to the plate and make videos and audios, it's highly personal. If I care enough about someone to respond to inquiries and to be approachable, that is a big differentiator from your average marketing person. And I remember some saying about my grandfather used to give me it's like to be able to walk amongst the common man and and not lose touch or something. It's about being able to walk with kings or walk amongst the common men. If you can slide up and down the social spectrum and be able to talk to anybody without being an asshole or being over the top or special or 
arrogant or whatever, then you'll be really going well in your business. If you're a good communicator and you genuinely care. In fact, one boss once told me I care too much. But I would argue that, yes, it does burden you with a little bit of stress if you care so much that you that it's bothering you. But you really should care about the customer and stop focusing about paying off your mortgage or your credit card because the customer does not care. That is not their motivation for buying from you because you've got a debt burden. They're buying from you because of their problem that you can solve. So if you just obsessively focus on customer problems and customer challenges and solve that, the rest will take care of itself. And as Peter Drucker said, the only purpose of a business is to attract and then retain a customer. And that's what I focus on. I attract the customers and then I retain the customers. And it's just so much easier to keep existing customers and just to develop that relationship. And one of the commitments I made several years ago strategically was I got to this crossroads. Do I stay where I'm at and let the customer move past me or do I step up and grow with the customer? And I've ended up creating things like my Silver Circle Mastermind where I can grow with the customer all the way to the top of their limit. And now I can have someone start at entry point, go right through to the top end. And that's given me amazing bandwidth to stick with that customer. And then if I could solve their biggest challenges, like a website and their traffic, they don't really need to look outside for those core things. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. I love it. Okay, James, a couple of episodes we had Pat Flynn on and going through our conversation, he spoke about something which you speak about yourself and it's being interested versus being interesting. How does this play out in your business and in your dealings with your customers? I see a lot of gurus or experts trying to, in Australia we use the phrase wank off a bit, <laughs> but they're trying to to make themselves special and use all this just really basic goal-oriented aspirational marketing, the scene of them driving along or whatever. And I think that's very effective for them, but it's not really that genuine. What they really should be focusing on is being more interested in their customers and just getting down to how they can actually solve problems and rather than be a circus pony or a feature star actor. So I think if you care enough about your customers to actually want the feedback from them and to ask them if they want anything to to let you know, then to just push market to them. So in the old days, people were just sending emails, put, pushing out their messages with aggressive marketing, making people jump through countdown banners, um, exit squeezes, all this sort of stuff. They were being very forceful marketers and they were, they were trying to razzle and dazzle them. But I think that wears off. And I think for the long haul, it's far better just to be genuinely interested in your customers, solve those problems, communicate them without being a dick and be there for them for the long haul. I'll still be around when most of these people have fallen off the edge, as they tend to do. And I've seen it happen. Some of them have lists of 500,000 emails and they can't get a fraction of it to open. Just the tiniest little percentage will even open the email because they've just been worn out and overrun. They're, they're just no longer interested because being interesting is fine in the beginning, but it doesn't last. That's really interesting, the concept of that. And you can see it play out in many different areas. I guess if you're being interesting and it wears out, then all you're trying to then do is to drive traffic to your interesting thing. Whereas if you're being interested in your customers, you're likely to keep them for a longer period and not have to worry about or worry so much about driving new customers or new traffic to what you're doing. 
it helps people feel better. I mean, if you go back to the beginning of this podcast, unless you edit it out to make me look silly, I asked you how your podcast is going, even though you're interviewing me today, because I'm actually genuinely interested and uh, I admire the growth and challenges you've overcome to get this thing going. From ner- I think from memory, you used to stutter a lot. And for a lot of people, that would just stop them in their tracks and they would think, I'm not definitely not suited for podcasting and you just whatever i'm just going to get out there and do it and you've grown this thing and you're taking sales from the related products that you offer so i think being curious is a fantastic skill in business and in fact there's someone on my payroll who i pay to do two things only she prepares numbers every day for me in it for my dashboard and she gets paid to be curious that is it. And her job is to to poke around the business to all the different departments, look in the help desk, speak to the managers, speak to the link builders, speak to the web developers, and just be curious. What are you doing? How's it going? What? Uh, how do you think we could do a better job with this? What? Who's the most difficult customer we have right now? Which parts of the job do you love? Is there something else in the company you like to do? Like, If she's just curious and interested in our team and that flows through to our customers because they feel that the work that we're doing is impassioned and high quality and good stuff, people will stick around. Yeah, absolutely. Now, have you given her a title yet? Oh, uh, well, technically she's just number one. <laughs> so <laughs> she was the first one I hired and she's still the big boss. So we we just call her number one. I was just thinking you'd probably look at something like chief interesting officer or chief curious officer. Could, but it's, I find all that a bit cliched. And yeah. the funny thing is, like, when I became a general manager, I got given business cards, and I don't think I used more than about five of them in four and a half years in my last job. I don't really need that sort of status and, and labels for stuff. Like, I'm like, screw that. Just be yourself, whatever that is. I don't have a title for myself. Uh, I don't have business cards per se. So I think actually labeling things or titling things can be dangerous because it might restrict somebody's ability mm. to to go beyond that scope. And one of the greatest techniques we have in our business and also when we're applying this to customers is to not limit ourselves to the traditional standard partitions and labels that people want. And we don't really strive to be normal or like everyone else. So yeah, we don't have mantras and stuff and uh, vision statements and all of this stuff. Really, if we were going to, if we we're going to put it down to a word or two words, we have a lifetime customer focus. That is what our business does because we recognise it's way easier. It's a lot more enjoyable. It's extremely profitable, and uh, like we don't even have to wonder about what we should do. The customers tell us because we ask them, and they tell us, and, and then we say thank you. So even with the own the race course strategy that I deploy, it's so driven by customer comments and emails, uh, like the classic episode where I gave people a sort of a studio tour of my gear and that guy said, hey, you know, you should stop wearing cheap t-shirts and you should shave. And then I put out a response video, should I shave? And that had over 300 comments and it just polarized my audience. Like, we don't care what you wear, James, you're awesome. Or, you know, when I first saw you, I thought you were a bit scruffy, but now I know your material's good as soon as you open your mouth. So I stuck with you. So I recognized that if I just shave more often and maybe wear a polo shirt, I'm going to get a broader audience. So it's customer driven. I wear the polo shirt and I'll shave for the customer. 
not for me, but it's not a, too much of a compromise out of my standard. Like, I'm going to put a T-shirt on anyway. Does it matter to me if it's got a little collar and a button? Not really. It's fun. Sometimes I just stir people up too. I wore a pink one to take the piss out of them, and turns out they loved it as well. So <laughs> I've got a pink and a purple polo shirt, uh, and it's customer-led. It's customer-driven, and I'm doing it because I respect them, and I can be a little less selfish if it helps them receive my content and help them with their business. Yeah, that's excellent. I like the purple polo as you well. You like the purple one? Got the aqua and the blue and the gray. I like the gray one. That's more my speed. And the Ferrari one's good if I really want to grab people's attention because I'm leveraging <laughs> a big brand. <laughs> All right, James. So let's give our listeners some key takeaways. Now, how can they implement some of the strategies we've talked about in this episode in their own content marketing efforts? Okay, so the first thing is, how easy or difficult is it for your customers to contact you? Do you have a system or a way that is obvious for them that they could get a hold of you to let you know your website's down or to let you know that they would have bought this if you'd just changed that? Or do you have such and such? So make it easy for people to contact you, even if you have a support team. I mean, in my business, I'm the only one who does phone support. There's no one else in my business. They all, they're all text-based support, and that's for a specific reason it's just way better second action step would be what percentage of your customers are coming back and buying again do you have recurring products because you can put a much heavier investment in finding those customers and really looking after them if they are rewarding like if your average customer value is 12 or 1500 dollars then you're not going to be a tight ass when it comes to giving them good content because you're getting paid well for it and if you do have a team, just have a talk to the team about what it means to work in your business. So we have a values-based business. And for us, communication is definitely one of our core values. And that means that we communicate with our customers very effectively, like rapid response times and elevating something to the person that can solve the person's problem as quickly as possible. So if it happens to be me, they will find me and draw me to the ticket where I can solve it. So just have this approach where you actually focus your efforts around solving customers' challenges rather than your own personal financial needs and the rest will flow. Yeah, no, that's awesome. I guess I can see that a common chain or a common resistance to doing this is that, well, I'm too busy. I'm doing too much already. I don't, I can't, I don't have the time to be looking after my customers. And I think really your then one focus right now is to build a system or a team to give you that freedom of time to be able to provide this sort of support. There's nothing more important than the customers. I have a internet business coaching community and I log in every day. And I've consistently logged in every day, even to the prior one for about five years now and done something like 16,000 posts, I think, in the two combined. You can't get that in many places. I don't know anywhere where you can go and be in contact with someone every day if you need to be consistently for five years. Not many people are prepared to roll up the sleeves and put in the sweat equity. Now, I've set the framework around the, my frequency schedule and uh, what I'm able to commit to, and it works out great. So there will actually be some effort involved. Sorry to, to alert people to that. <laughs> you might have to talk to someone. You might have to handle a hot call every now and then. We still get some crazy people come into the business, but to give it the right context, I was born to do this. 
in my career, having been a debt collector, having phoned up people and asked them for money on the phone, I realized something really important, and I'll share this with our listeners. The customer cannot punch you in the face over the phone, okay? So there's no need to be scared of the telephone. If you have a resistance to speaking to people on the phone or communicating with them, just remember they can't punch you in the face over the phone. And that helped me a lot with my debt collection. And it's probably... I doubt people have ever heard that quote before. But once you realize that, it's you're just so unlikely to die as a result of a phone call that, you know, just stop being scared of it and reach out to people. In fact, a great experiment for your listeners would be to change their signature line in their email today and put a little PS and say, PS, I reply to emails personally. And just see what happens to your business because you will get the best research data you can possibly get. You will sell more stuff you will get to know your customers better. You'll separate yourself from all of the faceless marketers who don't really care about their customers. Yeah, that's tremendous, James. I guess you've peeled some of the layers back behind how you do it and you're bringing millions of dollars. So our listeners should take note of a lot of that and see where they can implement it in their own business. Where can our listeners find out more about you, James? Superfastbusiness.com is where you'll see all of this in play. Yeah, absolutely. And if you are struggling with time and you need to implement systems, I also recommend heading across to FastWeb Formula where um, I'm a member and this is obviously James's private community, but I learned how to build a system in this community so I can assure you that you'd be able to do the same. Oh, thanks for the endorsement, Jake. You're a classic example of someone who gets more value out than what you invest. And that's the fundamental driver for me. For, I want every single member of that community to be able to get their monthly bill and say, if I was to stop this subscription, I would miss it and I would feel sad that I'm not there and I and, and they renew again. And that's why so many people stay on board. But it's I have to earn it. I have to work hard for that and I'm prepared to do it. Yeah, absolutely. All right, James, thanks very much for coming on this episode. Listeners, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll speak to you again very soon. Thanks, Jake. 